Well, hello, and welcome to the One Thing Podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group. We specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and risk advisory. And I'm your host, Jason Helford. Today on the podcast, we'll be discussing the DSB crisis in Illinois, the puns list, and what one agency is doing to address the needs of individuals on it, expansion of services, and strategic planning. So some meaty stuff here today for the discussion, but we're excited to help navigate us through it. Guest, client, and friend of the Horton Group, president and CEO of UCP Seguin of Chicago, Joe Mangoni. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, thanks for jumping on with us today. We certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Joe, Tony Robbins once said, every problem is a gift. Without problems, we don't grow. And so if you take that quote into spirit, and I'm going to ask you a question. I might um, get some weird looks by people that watch this, but in light of some of the problems we have going on, it might be tough to see the DSB crisis or challenges with the puns list as a gift. Yeah. Have there been any positives to come out of those? And so let's take the DSB crisis as an example. I know UCP um, segment certainly feels that crisis, but why don't you give us a little background on that and how you're feeling the crisis? And have there been any positives to come out of that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's, you know, we can start back to, to even, well, COVID and even prior to COVID. Um, you know, COVID taught us many things and it really allowed us as an agency to stop what we were doing traditionally and what we were, what we were used to doing and really looking at the way we're providing services and, and changing those services and updating those services or, um, shifting things around, um, to one, um, address some of the needs, um, address some of the, the loss in, in employee workforce. Um, and just to, to kind of, I, the way I look at it is we're, we're now working smarter. You know, we always say work, work smarter, not, or work, you know, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> sure. And this allowed us to do that. Um, so we take that as, as the problem, um, that crisis and combine that with the DSP crisis that we had started to see. And it allowed us as an organization to take a stop, take a pause, mm -hmm. look at things and say, how can we make things better while also maintaining safety, um, adequate numbers um, and provide the services that um, were there to mm -hmm. provide uh, to some of the state's most vulnerable people. Sure. No, and that's what I one thing I admire about the you know, the health and human services industry in Illinois and other states for that matter. And, you know, because when you talk about the DSP crisis and let's throw wages as a part of that, you know, other yes. for-profit entities are feeling wage inflation as well. But unlike some of the for-profit, you know, peers that you have, um, you don't have an ability to just raise, you know, your rates, right? You know, we're going to just right. charge more for services like a manufacturer might be able to do. Hard to pass through, right. but they still have the opportunity to do that. Sure. So, Joe, when you hot mentioned... Dog, hot dog stand can... can you know, get, you know, they're purchasing their hot dogs for 50 cents a hot dog, selling them for a buck 50. Yep. You know, there's, there's their, their profit right there. And they're what they're able to turn around into wages. We don't have that opportunity to do things like that. No, you don't. And, and so when you mention, I, I always applaud the, the nonprofit landscape and agencies and execs for ingenuity, right? Thinking outside the box um, yep. in large part, it's necessity. Yeah, and so when you say working smarter, that means a lot of different things to different people. 
different agencies, different leaders. Yeah. And so, you know, what for you, CP Segwin, what does that mean? What did that mean? Give provide an example to the audience of what that meant. So, you know, again, we were able to take a, a pause and look at how we were doing things. Um, we listened to our employees. Um, you know, it, it allowed, take for example, virtual, working remotely. You know, many of us had desktop computers. We didn't have access to be able to work remotely. It, it gave us that, that jump start that we had to start looking at things like instead of desktops, we're doing laptops mm -hmm. um, so that people can work remotely and they can work from home and get their, their jobs done. I mean, you know, technology, you know, Zoom, Teams sure. allowed us to, to all communicate on a regular basis with one another without having to be in a room or, you know, standing outside in the freezing cold six feet apart from one another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just just simple things like that. It allowed yeah, that, us. To that, no, it's, it's a good point. We're hearing that from your peers too. And you know, I was always curious: um, were some of the services, Joe? And I know a lot of the DSPs that they were in the homes residential. If you provide residential services, which we know you do, right? There wasn't a choice whether or not they wanted to do that remotely. I know you're in the homes, provided services to the people that need the care. And yeah. So I was always curious, and and you hear some stories, but. Were you able to pivot at all on some of the services that were traditionally done in person to a more virtual setting? And some people think, yes. you know, therapeutic services, right? So not physical, clearly, or maybe physical, maybe, I don't know. But have you experienced any success with some some of those types of offerings? Oh, absolutely. Our, our behavioral health services were all uh, pretty much done remotely. You know, we were able to have uh, visits um, with our behavioral health staff into the homes or um, even meeting with, with parents remotely. Uh, again, when, when COVID hit, we were able to provide through a number of different grants, we were able to provide families and individuals who lived at home that may not have been in one of our residential homes, uh, a computer or a device or a mm -hmm. laptop or an iPad uh, to, to work with us remotely. Um, and just, you know, regular social interaction, social engagements. You know, our social club was meeting once a month. They were able to then join in and meet virtually with one another until mm -hmm. it was safe enough for everybody to meet outdoors, six feet sure. apart kind of a thing. Sure. Um, which, you know, it's routine. People yeah, and I like think that. Structure. I yeah, I think that was so, you know, to, you know, Tony Robbins's point, you know, it probably was a gift, you know, without problems, we don't grow. And I, yeah. I think even look at our organization, we're a 400 employee organization and you have a big agency and you're not all in one location. And so yeah. I think the ability for people to communicate, have a sense of community, sense of belonging, using virtual, not 100 percent, because I think people still like the physical interaction. But it's I feel in a way like COVID, you know, pushed everybody apart. I think this is helping and bring people a little back together. Correct. I think so. It's, it's abs absolutely. And so why don't we, you know, Joe, if you can pivot a little bit, so using that same question about, you know, the puns list. And so the puns list, you know, state, you know, uh, a waiting list for people to receive services, right. you know, and have you had any success in, you know, I guess what's your role in it? You know, how have you changed uh, or UCP? How has UCP changed or how they address the puns list or the waiting list? Sure. So when individuals are chosen off of that list, they're, they're given a case coordination agency to work with to help them um, find services. You know, with the with the uh, DSP crisis throughout the state, many providers are not able to uh, accept people at this time. 
um, you know, we're because of some of the shifts that we were able to make in our homes as we've had openings in our homes, um, we were able to uh, be there and offer some assistance. Obviously, we are feeling the DSP crisis as well. Um, we have, you know, day services is is a underfunded area and our, you know, we, we have not yet been able to address that one on a very creative uh, <laughs> level other than, you know, trying to combine some of the, the staff to provide additional wages above and beyond uh, what the state's reimbursement is. Um, but, you know, we're, we're able to be there to offer some guidance and assistance and some virtual stuff, um, be able to provide some case coordination stuff. So mm -hmm. if, you know, if individuals need uh, outside physical um, interventions from doctors or, or things like that, our staff can be available to fam individuals and their families. Great. That's great. And talk about, you know, change and, uh, and adapting to change. Uh, Jack Welch, the, the former CEO and chairman of General Electric, he once said, and I'm sure other people have said it too, but he said, change before you have to. And so based on our conversations, I know in, in, with other execs and leaders in, the, in uh, the space is that, you know, COVID forced us to change. So that was unforeseen. And you know, yeah. that was one of how do we respond better. But what I think the nonprofit world does pretty well, too, at least from my experience with the, the really proactive leaders, is that they, they change proactively. You know, so based on our conversation, it certainly sounds like there are exciting new changes happening at UCP Seguin from, you know, day programming uh, or residential. Yep. And so what can you share with the listening audience about some of the new programming opportunities available to your clients or your consumers? So we continue to um, do some residential expansion on a much uh, scaled back level. Um, you know, we do it strategically. Like we have a home that's going to be opening in October, the end of October in uh, Elmhurst. Um, and that's going to be a, a new home for four um, individuals needing 24 hour services and supports. Um, we're always working and we're, currently we're working with two families who um, want to purchase their own homes. Um, that was the plan that they had going into adult services for their mm -hmm. child. Um, and it looks like the organization will be supporting those two homes and looking at um, an additional two to three individuals per home to move into those homes. So, you know, we're helping ease some of the pain. Sure. We wish we could be there to, to do more of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, again, the DSP crisis and, and getting individuals to fill those slots is taking a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, everywhere yeah. in the world, I'm sure, is facing what we're facing here in, in, in every industry and the staffing shortage. Yeah, no, we're hearing that, too. And, you know, obviously the, the population's not getting any younger either. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, right. guardians and parents aging out. They need their own care. And, yep. and so are you seeing, Joe, a trend where... If it's not an agency-owned SILA, it's maybe a family-owned SILA, and and we're staffing it now as a provider. Are we? Are you seeing more of a trend of that? And you, I mean, if you are, do you think that's going to keep progressing as maybe the boomer population ages out? They need their own care, and maybe they even I don't know, they donate their own home to you know an agency, and their so their yeah. son or daughter could stay there. Yeah, um, we are seeing a lot more of that. 
we are we are seeing a lot more of that. We had been um, prior to the pandemic. Um, we started seeing a lot more of, of that as a as a model, a preferred model to go, you know, move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's okay. definitely, I think, one that that families are pushing and talking amongst themselves. Sure. Um, I had one one group of families, four families that came together and approached us at one point and said, look, at this is what our plan is. We want a home. We want our four kids to be in that home and we want your organization to provide the supports and services. We want to own the home and, you know, in the future, you know, upon the the passing of the Mm -hmm. last person, that home reverts back to the organization. Okay. Okay. What else? um, So what are you seeing any other trends in the the residential SILA setting? I mean, maybe you can talk about rates if you want, but also just maybe different services or you know, I have four bed, six bed, eight bed. I know what the some of the trends there are too. But what else are you seeing out there? I, I think that it's hard to say about trends because you know each organization is different, and That's I know point. what I, what I've heard are, are some are having uh, to close certain homes and increase capacity in other homes. Um, we have not had to do that at this point. Um, we have had to, because of uh, the number of vacancies that we were faced with, we did have to close one home, um, but we, it was, it was perfect timing because we were able to renovate and make all the, the, the cleanup and modification and updates that that mm-hmm. home needed. Now we're getting ready to actually open it up um, under a new contract with DCFS uh, to provide uh, children's uh, group living. Okay. Okay. So we're we're looking at at you know using some of our resources in those respects. Okay, and so you have a you have a new contract with DCFS to provide residential services to to children. Correct. Okay. We're, so we're what the details of that contract? It will be children <laughs> with autism. Okay. Um, it'll be four children in uh, a total of two homes. Um, all eight individuals will be persons with autism mm-hmm. or on the spectrum there and um, will provide residential group living uh, for those individuals. Great. Are, are these are these currently individuals being served by you or these? So these are these are these individuals getting day services from some other? No, nothing. These are children in school. Okay. Um, and it's children who need an extensive level of supports um, and, I, and I believe typically the state of Illinois would probably look at children like this to um, move out of state into residential and school placements out of state and there's the big push to bring all of Illinois residents back to Illinois mm-hmm. or out of state placements um, but they needed the time to work with providers to, to put those supports in place. Um, so we're, we're kind of in line to, to work with them and I'm making this, uh, this model, a, a reality here in Illinois. Wow. That's, that, that's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Yes. And so, yeah. And, um, I mean, I don't, it's hard to forecast cause the program's pretty new, but if it, if it works, I mean, is there a, um, you know, have you talked about providing some of the school services to some of these individuals at some point or just, you know, maybe let the schools do what the schools do really well and we'll do what we do really well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let the schools do what the schools do. That's a whole nother animal. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, we're, we're in the process of going through our strategic plan right now, hoping okay. to have it done. 
um, by the end of, uh, well, it's September now, so hoping to have it done by the end of this month and approved at this month's board meeting. Okay. Uh, but there's, I'm, I'm hoping, I have not seen it yet, but yeah, that's a whole nother beast. To get it, it is, it is. And, and I don't know. <laughs> well, well, sounds like we'll, we'll stick to our, what we're doing really well right now. And you mentioned Correct. strategic planning. I, I know that's, um, Leaders of businesses for and non-for-profit, you know, have an obligation and responsibility to plan for their agencies, for-profit, municipalities, or it may be, you know. So you mentioned strategic planning, and so I thought maybe give you an opportunity if there's something. Is does this plan look a lot different than it had in years past, or the things you're really excited about as part of being, being part of this plan, or what? What do you want people to know about your plan and UCP Seguin's uh, near or midterm future? Oh. I think our plan, I'm excited about it because it's going to be a much a much smaller plan. It's not going to be a book that sits on a shelf and collects dust kind of a thing. Um, it's, it's going to be very simple of a strategic plan, um, but it includes everybody. It includes our board. It includes all of our stakeholders, our community providers, our staff from every level of the organization. Um, and and it's gonna be built from, from us for us. Um, so I'm really excited to see uh, how that's gonna turn out and the reaction that we, we get from that plan. Um, I know that some of the things that are going to be in there are going to be the continuation of uh, expanding services and being there to to provide more mission uh, mm -hmm. to the the you know folks in Illinois and um, you know just keep moving forward and and also technology you know embracing enhancing and increasing our our uh, reliance on technology. Okay. And when, when you say, Joe, ex expansion of services, I think that could be taken in a couple ways. And mm -hmm. One would be additional services to your same person served. Correct. Or is Correct. it is it the same services to more people served? Not a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. Yeah. It, it could be. It, it, it's going to be an expansion of existing services. Like we're going to continue to to uh, open up Silla homes mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, garner the resources that we need to, to do that and make that happen. Um, continue to look at uh, un, un, underserved areas. And if it's, a, it's, it's within our current geographic area, maybe we'll look at a small, another satellite day program elsewhere um, okay. throughout the communities. Um, and then start building, you know, homes around that. And when I mean building, I don't mean building from the ground up, but, you know, looking at sure. uh, uh, building a network of, of homes um, that are centrally located around any new day program center. Okay. And do you have any new day, day programming centers that you're operating now or you're looking to do in the near future? So we opened one in Wheaton um, about a year and a half ago and it, just right before the pandemic. Um, and so mm -hmm. that one's slowly getting started, but also during the pandemic, we opened another one in Addison. Okay. And so we're looking at uh, folks who are in the Addison area who are in need of services. Um, we also do a lot of work with school transitions um, and through our transitional program, we were able to see that there's a big gap of service services in that area. Okay. And so that's why we targeted Addison specifically okay. uh, to address that, that kind of deserted area. 
Um, so our transitional person is working with those families to start bringing folks into um, our day center um, over there. And then also our community um, programs. So our day centers are not where people just sit around all day and, and mingle or, you know, work on crossword puzzles. Sure. Or things. It's they're they're so they're we're trying to go with more of a social center where people then from there go out into the community and access employment services, uh, access volunteer work okay. and meaning, providing a meaningful day. Great, because uh, I was going to ask you that because a lot of our audience certainly is in the nonprofit, you know, space, uh, mm -hmm. with the, you know, DD providers, but also you have people that are related. So you have bankers, accountants, professional service people that listen to it to gain more knowledge of the of the industry. So I'm glad you shared what the day program actually looks like and, and feels yes. like and what it's intended to be, intended not yes. to be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. People need to see it. And I always say people need to come and take a visit and see what we do meet some of our folks, meet some of our staff, and you'll get a better sense of what happens at those uh, individual sites. I could not agree more. I'm, I'm fortunate and grateful enough to be on two nonprofit boards. And um, until I spend you know, a lot of time within either a, a, a solo or a day program, you know, you, you definitely don't get the complete feel and, and passion mm -hmm. that the DSPs have for serving the individuals. And how wonderful a place these you know these places can be, and so I completely agree. And so if you're out there, you want to learn more about the nonprofit community, more about UCP Seguin, please volunteer. You know, please reach out to absolutely. them and get to know. Yep, absolutely. So, anything else, Joe? Before we we adjourn, that you want the listening audience to know about? No. Again, um, I invite people to come on out, visit our programs, uh, visit with our staff. Um, you know give us a call, get involved any way you can. Um, it, you know, it takes a community. It really does. Well, Joe, well, I appreciate everything. I appreciate that conversation. And so that'll wrap it up for today. And so until next time, on behalf of the Horton Group, I'm Jason Elford saying thank you for listening to the One Thing Podcast. Mm -hmm.